Welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. Today we're going to be continuing on in our Defending Your Faith series. So this is this is going to be part two. Um, today we've got John Knapp and Garrett Ward in What's the room. What's going on, everybody? Hello. And John, Podcast you were here for listeners. part one. And I was. Garrett Ward, uh, you were not. We had Brett in here, so... Um, Brett, actually not in here. We were in the other room. Yeah, we're again. We're getting bumped around a lot in this campus, so we're back in the gray room where it was fifty degrees earlier, and now it's a nice toasty seventy-two. Feels great. So we're good now. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about uh, defending your faith. I did things a little differently this time, where I put out um, an email to these guys with a bunch of questions and let them pick a few that they were excited to talk about. So we're going to take those questions. We're going to chat about them. Um, the point of these podcasts is just to ask some basic questions about the Christian faith. Um, that are some common questions that maybe you get from people in your life that aren't believers. Um, just things to be be able to be a little more prepared to answer some questions that might be tough, uh, questions that, uh, that yeah, your family, your friends might ask you. So um, one of the questions that, uh, that I had started to ask last time, and we got into a little bit, but not much, we were kind of wrapping up, which is uh, what happens to people who never hear the gospel? And this question has come up to me a lot in, over the years, uh, just with people because we understand that we go all over the world to share the gospel, right? We have missionaries in very remote places sharing the gospel with people um, that uh, that might not ever have the chance to hear it. So uh, what about those tribes that are out in the middle of nowhere that maybe no one ever gets to to share the gospel? What happens if those people never hear the gospel? I, well, threw that, I threw that at you guys. It's, that's literally not the one that I'm going to ask today that wasn't on either of your lists. So, sorry. Well, okay. So, say that question one more time for me. So, people, like, let's say there's a tribe out in the middle of uh, Africa or, mm -hmm. you know, South America or something that uh, a missionary never gets to. So, these people never hear the gospel. There's never um, a missionary that shares the word of God with them. What happens when they die? Yeah, so... Ultimately, I think if we're going to stay true to the scripture, right, as we always should, there's no salvation apart from Jesus Christ, right? And so you do have to first come back to that. How are we saved? We're saved by grace through faith, um, through the blood of, of Jesus Christ. His death and his atonement for our sin is what pardons us from our sin and gives us a clean holiness that is now acceptable, you know, in front of a holy God. And so, um, you know, the Bible does talk about how there is none that who are without any type of, um, you know, excuse to, um, to, to uh, you know, know that there is, you know, God, God is revealed. You look at Romans chapter one, which is a great verse, uh, chapter one, I, I think it talks about how he's revealed himself in, you know, nature. And, you know, he's also shown himself uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. It talks about in the hearts of people. And, um, you know, the, the, the ultimate problem is that we have just this, we have this problem where I think it's sometimes hard in our head to connect the dots. Well, if they don't pray this prayer, you know, or if they don't, you know, come to a church service or if nobody's going to evangelize to them, how are they going to be saved? And I think that, you know, to limit things to a certain type of box um, that works well in your own brain, I think is, is something that I think you have to begin rectifying that the God of the universe uses things like his creation and uses things, you know, like his nature um, to reveal things to us 
that into other people that could they could reject, you know, from from the Bible. And so, um, you know, the Bible is just clear. You know, there's some mystery uh, about it all. I think the clear cut thing is that no one is saved outside of Jesus Christ, but um, that the scriptures do say that no one's without excuse. That God has revealed Himself and that He does it in ways uh, even to the tribes that are deep. And, you know, apart from civilization, people who are still very tribal in the way that they, you know, exist. Yeah. So. Yeah. I also heard once um, one one pastor that I used to um, used to work with, he would always say like, well, then what's the point of the Great Commission? Because mm-hmm. then wouldn't we just say, well, if those people never have somebody go and share it with them, they all get to go to heaven anyway. So why would we go to every place in the world and share the gospel? Why would the Great Commission even exist? Right. Uh, go ahead, Garrett. Yeah. No, I was just going to add... Um, that, you know, no man is without an excuse. You know, we see this in Scripture, and we all are held accountable for our actions. You know, that's very clear. God has made uh, all people with a conscience, uh, knowing right from wrong uh, and good and evil. He also has given us uh, creation to show us who he is and how he's revealed himself. So you can even, uh, you know, take this this uh, question even back before Jesus and asked that about the people who uh, God didn't reveal himself. You know, God specifically revealed himself to uh, uh, Abraham and then on through the Jewish people. Uh, But then you can ask, okay, why didn't God reveal himself to all the other people, uh, you know, and come directly to them and and tell them about who he was? Um, But again, that's no excuse for or people not uh, believing in God and not having faith. Uh, God says, you know, if you humble your heart and truly seek God, you'll find him. And there's been, you know, examples of, of tribes, you know, having this, this, uh, the, the sense of culture that, that really does look, look Christian-like. They're living out Christian morals and, and seeking God. And then when Jesus is introduced they say, oh, yes, that's, that's the God we know. That's the God we worship. We accept this Jesus, and, and that's who, who we believe in. And so, I don't know. Yeah, it's a mystery. Like uh, John said, you know, God can reveal himself to, to those uh, people uh, supernaturally through, through visions and, and things, and then uh, that can also be confirmed by people sharing the gospel with them and them believing. Um, and so, yeah. And another point, you know, we're not we're not uh, lost or or condemned by our ignorance or a lack of knowledge. We're we're condemned because of our sin. Again, the the scripture is clear clear on that, and we're all accountable for our sin before God. And I think also one big part of this whole conversation that we have to remind ourselves of is, is that this type of question should motivate us to remind ourselves of the Great Commission that. You know, we could we got to continually go into all the world, right, and to declare, you know, the gospel and to do it with, you know, accuracy and, you know, make sure that, you know, we're doing what we can. And obviously here in Sonoma County, we have our own mission field, right? And to say that there would be a person in our city that would not know about the gospel means that there's more work to be done in terms of, you know, the, the word going out. Um, and and I think that the, the the argument shouldn't be, well, what about these people over there? You know what I mean? Um, because I believe God has a plan for, you know, everything to be worked out. But at the same time, we have to think to ourselves, okay, well, with this idea, what are we doing? You know, what what's our part in this? Not to just come up with reasons to pick at, you know, certain things, but to 
remind ourselves of the Great Commission, you know, to go into all the world and to teach, preach, and baptize. Right. And I think that, that, that that's got to be the core of what we can come back to. Right. Yeah. And maybe the, maybe the Great Commission, when the people that you need to go and share the good news with are already people you see every day, you work with every day, your family, your friends, mm-hmm. people that you're around, and we can just, I mean, we can give them the truth, right? We give them the mm-hmm. Bible. This is what we know. This is uh, the scripture we know. And, um, you know, we, I think Brett a while ago talked about, uh, you know, he's talking about Paul and just basically saying, look, I've given you everything. And this is all the information that you, and now it's up to you. You've got to, everybody's got to make their own decision, right. right? And and we, I think in America or, um, you know, our culture, we assume that people have heard the gospel, which in reality they probably haven't heard the clear mm-hmm. presentation of the gospel um, in their lifetime, even though they live in a in a in a in America, in right. a Christian country, right? You yeah. know, or post Christian. Yeah, John did the air, qu- air quotes with that. <laughs> post Christian. Uh, we talked last time about the inerrancy of the Bible, the reliability of it, um, and I wanted to ask this question, Garrett. This was on your list of questions that you picked out. Um, mm-hmm. So, if the stories in the Bible really are true, so and I'm talking, I the ones that came to mind when I was writing this down were like Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, um, Jonah uh, being swallowed by the fish, and Moses splitting the sea. If all of these stories are true, these are pretty amazing miracles that people were right. witness to. Why don't we see more miracles like that now? Yeah, and so the, yeah, the real question, yeah, like you said, you know, where are all the miracles today? You know, why isn't that uh, going on? And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know, how many miracles are in the Bible? And I kind of did a little Google search, and I found that, you know, some people have counted. There's, you know, over over 120, over, you know, about 130 recorded miracles in the Bible, um, God acting in a supernatural way, and that is unnatural. Um, but then I was thinking, is like, that that's really rare in and of itself, only 120 miracles in the whole history of, you know, creation, all the way up to when Jesus came, you know, however long you, you think that that time frame is over, you know, hmm. 4,000 years, there's only these recorded 120 miracles. And so they're, they're very limited and, and miracles are, were, were assigned to, to show who God is. And, um, the Bible seems to be full of miracles because it is a book about God revealing his power, uh, his power, his character. And the and miracles so, Jesus performed are very Famous yes. people, people yes. know about Jesus right. walking on water and things yeah. water like that. Water yeah. Everybody you know, talks about those, and and those are are points for for people for Jesus to prove his divinity. Uh, but but when you think about miracles, Scripture has a specific purpose for miracles. And I was reading the gospel uh, uh, article from the Gospel Coalition. Um, and you know they were just saying you know the primary function of miracles in the Scripture. Uh, they're saying when miracles occur, they give evidence that God is truly at work, and so mm-hmm. they serve to advance the gospel. Miracles authenticate God's message and his messengers. So you see miracles in the Old Testament. You know, you think they're happening all the time. They weren't. They were uh, happening through specific people, uh, mostly Moses uh, doing miracles, demonstrating his authority as God's spokesman. spokesman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the prophets, when they gave a word from God, they would, you know, verify the words uh, through some miracles, and again, not not outlandish, not not totally, um, you know, just just a lot. But but the the miracles were to confirm 
the truth of what was spoken. Mm-hmm. And so you see the same thing in the New Testament. The New Testament uh, miracles, again, authenticate who uh, Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, and the people who saw them recognized them as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Nicodemus you know, saw that uh, uh, he saw Jesus do the miracle, he realized that uh, uh, God was with Jesus and, and such. And I like this uh, quote from uh, Tim Keller I found uh, about uh, miracles. He said, uh, let, uh, let us not uh, simply, uh, miracles do not le- simply lead to cognitive belief, but to worship, to awe and wonder. Uh, Jesus' miracles in particular were never magic tricks designed only to impress and coerce. Instead, he used miraculous power to heal the sick, feed the hungry, raise the dead, why we modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. Mm, I like that. And so we, yeah, we see Who, that was Tim Keller. Tim Keller, yeah. Mm. And so we see, you know, the the supernatural, you know, God restoring things to what they're supposed to be. That's a. a um, and it calls us to worship. It calls us to see who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so through Jesus Christ and through the resurrection, that was the, the greatest miracle, greatest sign to us all of who Jesus was. And so uh, that's a, a testimony mm-hmm. of, of who Jesus is and his authority. And so basically in the early church, uh, you see Acts, uh, the book of Acts and, and the early disciples uh, having uh, the miracles and signs going on again to authenticate their message of the gospel, to really signal that uh, the, the, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ and, and grace is introduced in the church. And so it was just really an important sign to authenticate the gospel. And today, you know, gosh, uh, today miracles still do happen. Again, I think we we miss a lot of miracles, or or maybe even don't believe miracles. This when, church when is God, a miracle. The fact yeah. that this church is here, when when God works in someone else's life and they share with us, you know, we we kind of say, oh, that's great, but you know, we, we don't sometimes <laughs> see it as a miracle or or God's healing in, mm-hmm. in someone's personal life. You know, that that happens. God is still at work. We did the um, episodes with Brett and Eve a while back about the story of Spring Hills, and right. I think it's part three. Brett really talks about just the miracle of the fact that this church being on this property and the stuff that he lays out, you're like, it's clear that God yeah. was in that because right. this should right. not have happened. Well, yeah. it's almost like how you, how do you define a miracle in your own brain? Like, sure. like where are you coming from the context? Like you talked about Daniel in the lion's den and you talked about Shadow something Rich. supernatural. Right. I mean, it's like, probably... And that's like on the scale of miracles. I mean, like you talk about, those are some pretty significant ones. Yeah. The sea being split and thousands of people right. walking across the bottom of the sea floor. Right. Like that's <laughs> right. You know, God making a way when there is no way for that to happen and God supernatural. But, you know, Garrett makes a really great point, you know, that, hey, these there are mer- there are many things throughout our weeks and months and years that we experience that maybe we don't, you know, chalk up as a miracle, but mm-hmm. it should be, you know, and it comes back to this, you know, having the eyes to see God is working and it's a miracle, you know, some of these things that we've seen before us. So, right. You know the miracle definition matters, and the and the greatest uh, miracle, of course, is uh, the the human nature, uh, us re- uh, recognizing that we are fallen, and God, yeah, totally transforms us and makes us into a new person through Jesus Christ, and that miracle of new birth and redemption is continuing through the work of the church and through the Holy Spirit. So every um, week when someone comes to faith, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Yeah. yeah. We had over 100 miracles at Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, 
that's a great point, Garrett. Yeah, I was. Uh, this is kind of random, but just because we talked, we mentioned the um, the Israelites. No, the oh. splitting of the sea. My, we watched uh, the movie The Prince of Egypt with my kids, and they oh, love yeah. that movie. And they one. love when they want to watch part of the movie. That's the part they want to watch. And we're always fascinated to see just the number of people. So we looked it up, and again, a little Google search of just Millions. how many people. And it says 600,000 oh, 600, men over the age of 13. So yeah. it would be probably about 2 million people yeah. if you're counting the women and children. And that was 600,000 fighting men is what it said. <laughs> so I don't know what, what exactly that means. But there's also some Egyptians that were with, a lot of people don't know that either. Some Egyptians left Egypt as well wow. and went with uh, with the Israelites. Um, so the, the the miracle thing, I wanted to ask that one first uh, to get into this question. Um, John, this is one of the ones you had on here. Uh, but when non-Christians see something bad happening uh, in, a, in the life of a Christian, so let's say a family member gets sick or just, you know, you lose your job or something, and they might ask the question, where's your God? During those times, like if mm-hmm. you're if your God's so great, why are you going through this? Expecting to maybe see a miracle, like if somebody has cancer, we continuously pray, God heal right. this person. But we all have the understanding here that if this person isn't healed, it's not that God is some mean God that's going. No, nah, mm-hmm. I'm not going to heal that guy for you. It's just that God's plan is so far above what we can understand and comprehend. So the question is, what are mm-hmm. some mis- misconceptions? Mm-hmm. about uh, the Christian faith yeah. that maybe somebody, some common misconceptions about the Christian faith that maybe somebody thinks. Like um, the, the one I had listed on here was like that the Christian faith is just a big list of things you can't do. Um, yeah. Or the misconception being that when you become a Christian, your life is just going to be perfect and without pain or trials. Yeah. So yeah, what are some misconceptions about the Christian faith? I mean, the two that you just said are great. You know, uh, everyone comes up with their own list in their head, I think if they're not a Christian and they're thinking of, you know, their own view of the Christian faith. Um, But I just wrote down a few things like, you know, some misconceptions is that it's a boring life, you know, pretty predictable. You go to Sunday morning church, you got to read this Bible that's super old and it has nothing to do with me. That's another misconception about the Christian faith that this Bible is outdated. It needs to be updated. It needs to, it needs to come into our, you know, our culture, which has pro, which has had so much progress over the last two thousand years, and so yeah, like man is going to progress so much further than God, right? In yeah. two thousand years, or totally. Whatever. Uh, another idea is that you know, um, there that it's only for good people. You know, mm-hmm. it's a country club. You know, where you're, it's it's only for those who kind of have their life all put together. That one scares me with sometimes because there yeah. will literally be people, if you invite them to church, they say like, oh, I can't, I need to fix this before I come back to church. I've had friends yeah. that are like, I'm struggling with this right now. I need to fix that before I get to church. I'm like, no, come yeah. to church and let us help you. Well, Let's walk e- alongside even you. Even scarier than that is some people say, well, I need to get my life straight before I can come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you, you don't need to get cleaned up to take a bath. Well, that's the gospel that, you know, Garrett was talking about that people still need to even hear clearly in Sonoma County is that. The gospel is not get your life straight and then Jesus will accept you, but that your life is going to continue to be off course until you recognize your need for Christ. And in that, he will make your path straight, right? And so, um, you know, that that's a, that's a, that's another thing. I think sometimes people get misunderstood that it's a country club for 
saints as opposed to a you know hospital for sinners. Yeah, yeah, that quote. Yeah. It's not a. It's not a play. What is the quote exactly? Because I always forget uh, it and get it wrong. I think it was something along of what I just said. Was that it's it's it, it's not a country club for saints, but it's a hospital for sinners or something like that, or hurt people. A hospital or, for the sick. Yeah, a hospital. Oh, a healthy. Yeah, you know Jesus. That that uh, that uh, famous quote. You know, I came for the sick, not the healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's that. You know, we're not a. This is a this is this is not a country club for the healthy, but a hospital for the sick. Yeah. I think something along those lines. But Which is one thing that just being a part of uh, this is the the third staff, the church that I that I've worked at, and being part of the staff. Not to say the other ones were were not this way, but um, this is the first staff that I've been a part of that has as large of a staff as we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other ones I worked at very small churches, so it was basically just me and one other pastor. Uh, at this one, I've always been. Um, it's really cool to see just how how grounded our staff is because we all are very aware that we're broken people. We are also sick people that need to be here. And it's not like Brett never is like coming across like he is above you because yeah. he's, you know, he's got his this degree and this degree and he's right. a pastor for this many years and he's the pastor of this big of a church. It's never that he's above you in any way. He's still just as broken as each and every one of us are. Yeah, and... and, and that's and like when we say sick or healthy, if this is you know, new to you, you're listening to the podcast. We're just talking about spiritually, right? Sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we're not necessarily talking like you come in with like a you know physical disease. disease or ailment, right? But spiritually speaking, there is such a thing. The Bible talks about being spiritually you know well and restored versus dying and you know sin. So Jesus did not come so that you know people who were already saved could be more saved, right? But it was so that the people who were lost could find a savior and spiritually they could be made new and well and restored. So there's that. Another couple of ideas I thought was, um, you know, sometimes people think that it's a, you come to like, like the misconception is that Christians kind of, you know, they don't ever have any troubles, Mm -hmm. you know, like God kind of takes care of them. There's a bubble that they live, you know, with. And so it's a little bit more easy. Um, but then on the opposite side of that, I thought, well, sometimes people have the misconception that it's for weak people, you know, oh, yeah. that that the church is a crutch, you know, that they're not strong enough to stand up on their own two feet, and so they need the church to support them. And, you know, people that have a history or have a mindset of, you know, a lot of pride, a lot of, you know, self-accomplishment, um, you know, they really kind of feel like they don't they don't need it, you know, so there's no there's no help that they really get from it. It's really just for people who are weak. Um, another misconception about the Christian faith, it's a myth. It's not true. It's man-made, you know, that uh, there's really no grounding for it. It was kind of just meant to be something that helps, you know, uh, modify people's behavior. It was an institution created to keep people moral, to keep people, you know, from breaking laws and try to create some sort of element in society to where people... Um, can treat each other well Mm -hmm. and you know so there's there's that let's dig into that a little bit more and go to the question of how do christians know that their personal religious experiences with god are any more true than those of uh, other belief systems so like you're saying the myth being that it could be man-made there are a lot of religions that are man-made and that have um, are built around maybe some moral code yeah uh, of like here's the list of things you can and can't do or whatever and um, so how do Christians, how do we as Christians, as believers, how do we know that the 
I, I, I say the word religion, but I know that we also, it's, it's much more than a religion. It's a relationship that you have with Christ, right? But mm-hmm. um, from the outside perspective, how do we know that our religion is the true one, the true belief system that we really are the ones that know the truth, that the way to heaven is through a relationship with Christ? I mean, again, it goes goes back to uh, what we've talk, been talking about in these podcasts of uh, there's just tons of evidence to authenticate, you know, Jesus as the truth. Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, and um, it was, you know, his way or, um, you know, or no way at all, and and so he makes it very clear. And then so when you when you see what the other uh, worldviews teach and, and how that, that measures up, it's it's uh, completely different. So they can't be uh, all they can't uh, all be right. You know, they're all saying different things, mm-hmm. all the worldviews. And so you have to figure out what's going on. And and they can all be wrong. That's for sure. You know, even even Christians could be wrong. But uh, you have to figure out, you know, is there truth? Can there be truth? Does God want to reveal himself? Is he a personal God that we can know and he wants us to know? Um, and we believe that uh, he does through the scriptures and through what God says. Um, and, and interestingly, too, uh, what, what the Bible teaches is there's um, the, the source of, of uh, the miraculous or the, or the signs can also come from the evil one, from Satan. And so scriptures clearly say that uh, Satan has the power to deceive and uh, reveal himself as an, as an angel of light, but he's really there to, um, to deceive people and throw them off the path and to reveal something that's not true. Uh, we see in Second uh, Thessalonians that uh, Satan and the Antichrist will show signs and wonders to deceive people and lead them away from the truth. And so, you know, this this pro poses a, a, a problem. You know, why are there so many different religions? Why why are there so many different worldviews? Uh, I think some of it has to do with with, of course, our sinful nature. But then, Satan and the evil one working really hard to deceive people. You know, give them a vision that's not true and teach them something different. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see that with uh, Islam and and uh, the Prophet Muhammad. He had a dream he went into a vision and had this some sort of encounter with a god type person or an angel or whatever and gave him a message that was contrary to to Christ and so that's how a lot of these uh, these worldviews can start um, and so you have to, to look into to that I think too I was my kids recently were telling me they watch a show called Superbook and um, it's about these two these two kids in their oh, yeah I've seen it yeah, they go back. The Bible takes them back to different mm-hmm. points in time and uh, Bible stories. And they were telling me about the one with Elijah and how they were uh, challenge. He was challenging the uh, oh man, I'm blanking on the um, prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal, but I'm trying to think who was the the Pharaoh or king at that point. King uh, Ahab. A- well, Queen Ahab Jezebel. Jezebel. Jezebel yeah. is the. Yeah. She wanted to kill she him. Wa- yeah, so <laughs> that, that story was, it's a really, really cool story. Yeah. Um, and my kid sharing it with me too, just the way that the the show um, showed the story and stuff. But it was just, it's basically, it's that, right? It's challenging um, God with this other God named Baal, that mm-hmm. uh, Baal's going to be the one to make it rain. And for hours and hours, they pray to Baal, they chant, they sing, and they do all this stuff. They sacrifice hmm. a bull, and then... Uh, Perhaps your God is asleep. Could you Yeah. <laughs> 
And then, uh, then Elijah, of course, uh, prays to God, and God um, brings down the fire that that lights up the altar. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, I want to ask. We we talked about other religions. Let's let's talk about this real quick. Um, even within Christianity, there's a lot of different denominations. Yes, and uh, you might hear um, the 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 word non-denominational mm-hmm. uh, or evangelical free or Lutheran or Baptist or whatever. Um, all these different denominations. Uh, so why are there so many different denominations? And does the fact that there are that many denominations invalidate any of the truth mm. of Christianity? I think that when you think about this, you know, Garrett, jump in if you want to. Garrett Ward, Elliot T. <laughs> and, um, Either Garrett. The, um, when you think about this, you have to kind of, in your head, understand that different denominations don't necessarily, Christian denominations, Protestant, and I'll talk about that in just a second, but it, it's not that they are false in the sense that, you know, they don't adhere to biblical truth. There's differences in it, but you do have to kind of split the difference between, okay, is this a cult? Is this, is this a, is this some sort of false religion? You know, I'd say, you know, Mormon and Jehovah's Witness and Seventh-day Adventist, right? Would claim to be Christian. Would claim to be Christians, but I would, I would put them in the, in the category of cult of false, you know, false religion. Which will, just so everybody knows, I, I already have planned um, a podcast to go in deeper to other religions to answer yeah. some questions about right. maybe why you're saying those ones. But, you know, historically, you know, there was there was one church in the very kind of beginning that kind of formed out of the book of Acts. And then as that grew and grew and grew, there became this Catholic, Roman Catholic church, right? A very powerful church that, you know, in the 16th century was what came to came to head front with Martin Luther. And so maybe some of you Not know... Not Martin Luther King Jr. No, no, no. Martin Luther. Martin Luther. Um, and he, you know, was the one in the 16th century where there was this big, huge problem that he had with the way the Catholic Church was doing things, interpreting things, teaching things. And so there was a reformation, a reformation of the Christian faith... And that's where we get now the idea of Protestants and Catholics. So there's the Catholic Church, and then you have the Protestant Church. So within that, they would both identify themselves as Christians, okay? There are some pretty big differences between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church, hence why there is a separation or a division. But within the Protestant umbrella, there are many different denominations. That's kind of what I'm getting at there. There's many different denominations. You've got, uh, you know, Lutherans, Methodists, Presbyterians, you've got Baptists, and then you even have, and you have more, but you even have things like non-denominational. And so ultimately, um, these Protestant denominations, I would say, are not different in that they, 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 they all believe I could say this probably more than in in more ways than than not, but they all believe in the centrality of salvation being through Jesus Christ, right? right? It's more or less how do those how do how does how do they do certain things? How do sure. they organize their church? How know? do they do baptism? How do they how do, do, do baptism? Like, how do yeah. they do communion? What are their views on it? And so when I was in seminary, there were in my theology class there was the four Ds that my seminary teacher said. You know these these are really the four Ds of theology, and it was. The first D was was um, that you would die for, you know. So there 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 are things in Scripture that you want to die for. That that as you read the Bible and as you see certain things really talked about clearly, those are the things that you should hold really 
strongly to, right? You, you, you die for those things. And then beyond that, then you have a, you have a, another list of things that you would divide for. So an interpretation of certain things, right? Whether that's women in ministry, whether that's baptism of an infant, whether that is, you know, communion being for, you know, um, you know, once, once, uh, I guess, what, what did you believe the communion to be about? You know, um, those types of things. Then you have things that you would, um, oh gosh, so I said die for, divide for, debate about. So then there was a debate uh, option. And so there was these things that you would debate about, you know, and you could talk, you could kind of debate about just about anything, I guess. But there are things that some, you know, people kind of banter about. It's funny if you kind of get together as like a, at like a pastor's luncheon or whatever, you got guys from different denominations and they kind of debate or banter back and forth about certain theologies or certain things that, that their denomination might hold more, you know, a different value in. Um, and then you have things that you just decide for. So you got die, divide, debate, and decide. Um, and the decide part is just those really insignificant things. Like the Bible just really isn't clear. And honestly, you just have to make a decision based on, you know, the most data with the least difficulties. That's what he, he always told us. Our theology teacher says, come up with your theology based on the most data with the, with the least amount of difficulties, meaning, you know, it doesn't kind of contradict. And so, um, I guess this is just a long-winded way of saying these are how um, these denominations kind of get formed. I mean, there are things that that when people interpret Scripture, when they understand the organization of a church, the style of worship, you know, how they, you know, make decisions, all of that kind of stuff ends up kind of trickling down into a way of them forming a certain, you know, way of doing things. And that's kind of how you get, you know, people who— um, think more like, you know, uh, a Presbyterian way, you know, or a Baptist way or a Methodist way, you know, or a Lutheran way. And so, you know, there are some church fathers, you know, John Wesley is, you know, the one who started the, um, the Methodist church and it was kind of the method of spiritual formation is kind of where we got that Methodist idea from Lutherans, you know, the theology and the teaching of, you know, this would be of, another good podcast, breaking down the denomination. You could totally do a whole <laughs> thing of that. But I guess kind of the big idea here is that, you know, each denomination does have slightly different doctrine or emphasis on, you know, things such as like baptism or, you know, who who is able to come to the, the, the Lord's Supper, like the communion table, you know, who can be in church leadership. Um, different you know, traditions. Different you know, traditions. I had somebody break it down. It's very similarly what you just did with the four Ds, but just basically as your primary issues, your secondary issues, your tertiary issues. So the primary being the salvation through Jesus, yep. the secondary being the baptism and communion, and the tertiary being how loud your music. Right. And that's carpet. not something, you know, the fact that we have our Kinda music chairs. a little louder. Well, yeah, what color are the curtains? Do you enforce masks? <laughs> yeah. That's probably one now, sure. too, that you could put well, in that category. And <laughs> the big key, I think, for any person listening to this and like, well, what does this all mean? Okay, so what you see in Scripture, you put those at the very top, right. the primary. You know, it's very clear. What the Scriptures don't necessarily, like— type out for you like what color are the curtains right obviously you just that's the whole make a decision you know yeah. like just decide if you think that you know all of it has to match because or the colors have to match what the tabernacle was and yeah. you know the old okay fine okay you're that's your decision right but there's nothing over us there's no law saying that it has to be that color right and there's no law in general right i'm not saying but i'm just saying that scripturally speaking that's how you should you know form your own theology and then make decisions on, you know, if there's a certain denomination that really kind of, yeah. you know, 
uh, really helps you understand that better. And we and we do a pastor's prayer every second and fourth Thursday here with pastors from all over Sonoma County and all different denominations of of pastors are here and we pray together because we all have the common shared goal of sharing the gospel with people here in Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. And it is really cool just sometimes to sit down with people and find out how different different churches do things. And that's also, it's a great thing that we have different churches because Spring Hills is not going to be the right church for everybody to call home. Right. And that's why we support all of the other churches in Sonoma County as well. But yeah, I was just, and another thing I just wanted to add, I mean, the do, denominations too kind of, you know, bring people together and bring churches kind of under the same umbrella and uh-huh. kind of when the missionary uh, movement went out to reach the world, you know, people could come together and have a co-op, you know, get their funds all together, support ministries and and do a lot, you know, with, with a group of churches and, and do a lot more work rather than each individual church just working on its own to do its own thing, you know, you're getting groups of churches, you're getting masses of people getting together to promote the gospel um, and doing it in, you know, a little bit different ways with each denomination, but you kind of see the cooperation of people getting together, uh, giving to the kingdom of God and be able to need to, being able to do more in a more organized way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. So that's well, thank you both for uh, coming down and talking about these. There's some more questions that um, that we'll get to in more podcasts. I'll keep bringing other people in as well and uh, asking more questions. I've got, I mean, the list I gave you guys had a ton on there. I knew we weren't going to get to uh, to even have. We get to five. So. We got to five. Yeah, we still, still had two, on two more here. on Garrett's list. So I'll make sure <laughs> oh, I bring man. Garrett in for the next one. Yep. Um, but thank you guys for being here. Uh, by the time I think we're going to still be when this airs, we'll still be in the um, the the series that we're doing right now about the second advent. Second so, advent. When is when is Jesus coming? Anybody oh my know? gosh! This year we we were told both in the first week and the second week of January that'll definitely divide us. That John. Jesus <laughs> is coming back. But you know what I was thinking too uh, is that you know if anyone has any questions, Garrett, based on you know this, hearing this podcast, we've got the hotline, right? Yeah. Well, we got the hotline. You go ahead and share the number since you have memorized. Oh geez. Uh, oh, do you not? Seven zero seven five zero five nine zero seven zero. Nice. That is the number. So if you got questions about just anything that has to do with kind of defending your faith and understanding it better, text it in. And you know what there's also i have an email for the podcast specifically it's just podcast at springhills.org so if there's another question you've got send it in or if you've even got an idea for a uh, a podcast uh, episode topic feel free send it in let me know what it is um i've gotten a couple of those we've done a couple of them actually a couple of the ones that we've uh, we've brought in um i had somebody ask about social media and how different churches do social media so i brought erica and we did a podcast on social media it's going to be uh, it'll air before this one but um nice. it was really cool to hear just you know since she runs it your, yeah. what her philosophy is on uh, how we run the spring hill social media stuff so uh yeah any questions the hotline's there uh email is there so uh thank you both for being here can't wait to talk more about some of the stuff that we brought up today too so all right guys see you later